Hey, and welcome back to Poker with Presence. I'm your host, Jason Sue. Today, I've got an interview I'm really excited about. It's with longtime high stakes pro Kevin Rabichow, who has spent most of his career playing kind of in the shadows of high stakes online poker. About a year and a half ago, Kevin reached out to me wanting to do some work together in shoring up his own levels of presence and performance because he was going to start putting in full schedules at the World Series of Poker. And it was a great joy and one of the highs of my own career to see him score for over $1 million in the 100K high roller event at the 2021 WSOP. And then even more exciting this year to watch him battle and defeat Daniel Negreanu and Phil Ivey in heads-up matches at the 25K heads-up No Limit Hold'em tournament. And in my time working with Kevin, one thing that really struck me about him was how much he really cares about his students. As a longtime coach and highly successful creator of content over on the Run It Once platform, Kevin is one of the most popular content creators on their site. And in talking with him, I could tell just how much effort he has put into not just being a good teacher, but also understanding what it takes to take somebody from wherever they're at to a higher level so that they can actually reach the goals that they want. And so Kevin recently released his brand new course over on the Run It Once platform called The Game Plan, which is designed to help people to understand how to identify their leaks more quickly and then to move in directions that are going to help create the biggest impact to win more in the quickest amount of time possible. So this is my interview with Kevin, where we talked all about his experiences of transitioning from online poker to live poker, what it's like being in the high stakes world, and also a lot of the things that he sees as far as why people are not learning efficiently, what to do about it, and how to go about creating a study plan that is going to serve you the best in terms of getting you where you want to go. So without any further ado, here's my interview with Kevin Rabchow. Hey man, welcome to the show. Um, really appreciate having you come on because as the our recording right now, you just launched your brand new course, The Game Plan on Run It Once. So super excited to dive in about all that with you and just life in general. So welcome. Thanks, Jason. Looking forward to it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So in the last year and a half that I've known you, you've gone from kind of this, not completely incognito, but kind of in the shadows highly successful online player to now lots and lots of people would recognize your name just out whether it's you know on Hendon Mob or Poker Twitter. Curious what that transformation from kind of being more of an unknown silent killer to more of a public figure has been like for you. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that. I often times forget that there's a chance that someone would recognize me. Like if I go to World Series or something, I I, I may have even told you this story previously, but like it's starting to become more common where someone will say like, Hey, Kevin, or like, Hey, crab in a way that I just assume that I know them personally. <laughs> and, and I'm having these little moments of like, Oh, shit, did I forget your name or something? It's just like, No, we've, we've never met. I just know who you are. So that's, that part for me is a little weird. I think that's, at the same time, kind of cool. It's, it's just beginning used to the live arena. That's been the main change. So, you know, I had my little community online heads up players who who knew who I was and if I spoke to a heads up player online it was 
pretty likely, you know, whether or not we had spoken before that we knew each other, um, just because we played in the same arena. Now, live tournaments is is that arena for me, and I'm just kind of catching up with all the people who already knew my name. Yeah, awesome. I, I actually met somebody recently who said that they were confused for you. Like he was playing in a tournament at the World Series, and somebody said to him, hey, congrats on your deep run in the 25K heads up because uh, he, he actually does kind of look a little bit like you. But nice. uh, So that's that's kind of where you're at now is people are starting to yeah. get mistaken for you. So, so that's a new level. Nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's high praise, I suppose. Yeah. It's uh, I, I usually get the opposite. I usually get the don't like, weren't you at that thing last weekend? Like, no, that's not me. Last year, 1.1 million in the 100K high roller. Nice score, nice score. And this year, uh, we'll call it third place. I, I remember you, you tried to call it fourth place. We're I, gonna call I it, appreciate we're, that. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to call it third place in the 25K heads up. For what, what was that amount? Good question. I think it was just under 200. It, okay. it was about 194. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this year, you got to battle Daniel Negreanu, Phil Ivey. Was it in back-to-back rounds of the of the heads up? There was one round between there. Actually, as he liked to point out, more famous than Daniel Negreanu in Japan, I was playing against Masato, who uh, has like who has like twenty k more YouTube subscribers than Daniel. It was actually really entertaining. But yeah, those those were three matches in a row: Daniel, Masato, and then uh, Phil Ivy. So walk me through before you're going to go play Daniel. You know that he's going to be sticking the camera in your face for the vlog. You know he's going to be making a big show of it all, you know, talking and, and being real animated and, yeah. and maybe even talking to you in the middle of hands, trying to get live reads. Tell me yeah. what was your mindset like heading into that? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I am almost glad I didn't have more time to think about all of that because like we found out the draw two minutes before we started playing, basically. They just like, if you haven't played a heads up tournament before live, usually as soon as they close registration, then they automatically do the draw. They have to randomize the draw after registration is complete so that they know how many buys there are, or if they sold out or whatnot. So we found out we were playing each other like two minutes before sitting down. I, you know, he wasn't like coming right up to me and having a conversation pre-match. We're all running into other people. We're all talking to whoever, and then we sit down and it's game on. So I didn't really have time to dwell on it. I think that as far as how that affected my strategy in the match, there was just like a a general need for me to be focused on what I know, like focused on the strategy that I know. I actually know a little bit about his game as well from online, from watching him play Doug's match, uh, the, the match against Doug Polk, just from knowing a little bit about how he prepared for that match as well. I had strategic points that I could lean into in in my mindset that helped me you know, maybe not get caught up in these thoughts of, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to give away something or, oh, he's going to, you know, pick up something on me because I don't play this game very often, whatever. Yeah. So it sounds like you kind of just use that to your advantage and and were able to, to really just focus on you. And I'm curious if, what does that feel like when you're in the midst of, I don't know how it feels different from playing a straight heads up cash game match that, you know, could go on forever versus this is just a sit and go format. How focused are you on making these big strategic adjustments based on what you're seeing versus based on what mm. you know about him, what you think you know about him? There seems to be a lot of different possibilities there. Yeah, I guess because of my training content, I have a bit of a reputation for being very like by the book as a player, like very theoretically oriented in my approach. But especially when I'm playing heads up, I think that I I look to make adjustments 
very quickly. I look to make adjustments as as early as possible. And in the absence of like a big sample of hands that I might get at an online cash game, what I'm looking for is is his showdowns, right? So as like every time that I get to see in this case Daniel's hand, I'm reinforcing something that I maybe thought was true or I'm or I'm learning something that contradicts what I previously thought was true, right? So I'm I'm kind of piecing the puzzle together every single time that he shows his cards. Can I do like a whole lot with that information? Maybe not. It, it it's always going to depend on like how the match goes. I can't think of anything offhand that happened that was so, you know, shocking that Daniel did that I was like, oh, I can make this big adjustment. But I actually remember something like early in the match against Phil Ivy where that came up. Basically, he ran a bluff, like a three street bluff in a single raised pot where I had an easy call down. I just happened to have a hand that was like, I think I made two pair on the turn, but there was a straight on board. So I didn't raise and I just call turn, call river. And he he had like bottom pair, I think. And it was a spot where I was just like, oh, I like I know this situation. And if he's bluffing this hand, he bluffs way too much. You know, I don't necessarily know why he bluffed that spot or like how by how much he's over bluffing or if he's going to stop right away. But I just get this huge piece of info that's like, oh, he's not approaching this spot in the way that I would at all. And I need to reframe the way that I'm thinking about, you know, Phil Ivy strategy. Hmm. Super cool. Yeah, I, I haven't played heads up in forever, but what I do remember is this experience. Of this, it's like, okay, we just keep dumping random puzzle pieces down on a table and we're just going to kind of put them in some place. And then sometimes the whole thing just like clicks in and then you see something and it just feels like kind of magical. Yeah, I, I know the exact feeling you're describing. Mm. So I remember last year you told me, you said, oh my God, like uh, I'm looking around in these tournaments and I'm playing with Eric Seidel and playing with Negreanu in these tournaments and I'm playing with, you know, all these guys who who I grew up watching on TV. And so I'm curious, a year later, how do you feel about being in the same room as those guys? I guess I would say that's something I'm more comfortable about, but I don't know exactly what it is that's so, like not, nothing about that experience, I think, is like intimidating, but it's just sort of this like bizarre out of body feeling where it's like, I'm in that place where I've only seen on a screen for so many years. Right. Or in that place where, and it's, it's this strange disconnect between like what I think is happening and what, like what, what my body's telling me while I'm in the seat. It's, it's that kind of like, uh, you experience that need to like remind yourself like, yeah, you're here right now. You have control over this situation. Like, Hey, you can make decisions in this moment. Cause like, you're not watching television right now, or you're not, you know, playing on a computer right now. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but that's, that's sort of the disconnect that that's slowly going away, but I still sort of feel it because it just doesn't feel like my, you know, my home as far as poker goes. Yeah. I remember back in the day, the, the more famous TV pros would talk about what a big advantage it was when the cameras were on because they're more used to it than the other people and, mm-hmm. and other people would punt and make mistakes and get nervous and stuff like that. And yeah, so it's interesting to hear that for you. It's still just starting to fade away after quite a, a good amount of experience with these guys. Yeah, I think it's it's a little different for me playing like big field, no limit tournaments. I know occasionally I play the high rollers and those are smaller fields. So I'm, you know, I think the people who let's say the, I don't know, the people that I've run into five, six, seven times in like a Florida high roller or a WSOP high roller, like I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with them, but there's a number of people who I just still, you know, I, I enter a tournament with 2000 players. I'm pretty likely to run into a player I've never sat down with before. 
and maybe someone who I recognize who I've never sat down with before. So I think I just get hit with that feeling like, oh, you know, every now and then it comes back because it's like, oh, that's Mike Mattisau or whatever. It's just like, that's weird. You know, he'd never be in the high rollers, but all of a sudden I'm playing the the 1K flip and go with him with like two tables left. So that that was just very, yeah, it's always very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, lots of times where I was like, oh, that's, that's Lane Flack. That's, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> less, it was less yeah. intimidation. It was more like, this is, this is strange. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, what, what do you recommend as, as far as like a, a step-by-step process, you know, if somebody's out there and they're, they get deep in a tournament and it's like that feeling of like, oh my God, this is, this is happening. What do you recommend as far as like a few, you know, basic things one can do to, to settle and ground themselves? Well, I mean, one great piece of advice that you've given me before is like quite literally grounding yourself. So like quite literally finding a way, like finding a a familiar way to remind yourself that you're like in your body and that you're like sitting in the chair. I didn't really realize before how easy it was for me to like get lost in my thoughts if I wasn't moving, right? If I wasn't like, uh, or it doesn't have to be moving, but just if I, if I wasn't kind of feeling like real physical sensations of, of some kind, you know, moving, like planting your feet into the ground or just like standing up to stretch or whatnot, deep breaths. So like, I, that's kind of like the, the easy, I guess, physical answer to how do you get comfortable? The mental side of it is I think quite personal. Like it, it's interesting. So for me, I kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, if I'm playing against Daniel Legrandu, well, like I can still lean back on the idea that I have a strategic advantage in that game. I mean, most people aren't going to have that, right? Most people can't sit down and think like, oh yeah, this is easy. Like I know, I know how to beat, you know, I know how to beat Helmuth in the spot or something like me, maybe they haven't prepared for that. So I think that for someone in that type of position, it's more about like connecting with whatever the reason you're there is, right? Like whether it's enjoyment as a recreational player, whether it's like competitiveness as a aspiring professional player, finding some kind of motivation to connect to like your ability to achieve something in the game rather than like falling into the fear or like the frozen kind of feeling of, oh, I can't do this, right? Like, oh, that's, you know, that's Phil Ivy. I can't compete. Like, no, of course you can. I, I mean, it's like, it's easy for me to say because I've played a lot of heads up and I know how easy it is to lose as the best player. The best player loses all the time, right? So, but if you show up and you just expect like, oh, I can't do anything about this. So I'm I'm afraid of this person, then that's what's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to lose, right? Yeah, I, I love that because I, I've heard so many people talk about how they get psyched out when the name player or, or the person who's clearly more technically knowledgeable shows up and then it's like, oh, I gotta outplay, I gotta outplay them. I gotta, I gotta make a move, I gotta make something happen. But that just takes you out of your game. And yeah. and so if you do that, you're falling into the trap and making their advantage even bigger. But I, I do believe, like you, that like, yeah, anybody can win on any given day, but more so than that anybody who shows up there is definitely something that you do better than phil ivy right like and it doesn't have to mean that you're better at poker than them or anything even related to poker it could just be like oh yeah i'm i'm more competitive or i'm having more fun than him or i am just better at being me than he is at being me right and so whatever that is that you can find really lean into that connect with that feel it and that will at least give you the the not just a fighting chance but also I think that really helps people walk away, not regretting it because that's, that's one thing is if you do the other thing and you try and be something that you're not, that's what leads to like, Oh, I wish I hadn't done that later. Yeah. And I would, I would say one, one more thing, (laughs) hard, hard to get out of like coach mindset, but 
like it's so important to think about this stuff or like prepare for this before you show up. So it, it's so important to, you know, if you're going to the World Series for the first time, you should expect to play with Phil Ivy, right? You shouldn't dread it. You shouldn't like think, oh, that's not going to happen, or oh, I hope I don't get seated next to you know Daniel Negreanu, right? Like you don't you don't have to think about it that way. If you're if you're showing up afraid of the situation before it happens, then you have no chance. So I think also just like setting an intention before going to these series, think of that like whatever long shot outcome that you're maybe not so sure is going to happen or you're or you're maybe dreading a little bit and prepare for it before you sit down, right? Yeah, the things that people want deep down the most are also the things that are the scariest once they start happening, right? Because because yeah. a lot of people, they do go to the World Series like, I, I hope I get to play with Ivy. That's like my dream. And then Ivy sits down and is like, oh no, like I can't do this. <laughs> or, or it's like, oh, I want to make a final table and be on the, the broadcast. And then yeah. when, when it comes, it's like, oh no, like I wasn't ready for this, but, but yeah. this is what you said you wanted, right? But, you're, right. but you weren't uh, mentally prepared for that possibility to actually happen. So big takeaways from that heads up experience, anything that you learned about yourself or anything that you took from it going forward that could make you stronger? So I think that the, like the big takeaway for me, I guess, as like a strategic thing to prepare for, for future events was that my, like my need to, let's say like prepare for showing up in advance, like showing up, how do I want to say this? Like the preparation that I did for that event was not really technical in any way. And it was the first event of the series. So I didn't really have that opportunity to like prepare to compete at a level that I thought was, let's say like higher than average. I kind of showed up expecting this to just be like, this is my normal tournament, right? Like this is my, this is my average game. And I think like once I was there, the attention around the event, the difficulty of the event, like the challenge that it presented was actually quite high, right? So it was important for me, I think, to either have like prepared earlier. And I'm just thinking about like a whole series, not even just the heads up event, maybe showing up like an extra day earlier, an extra two days earlier and doing some kind of like technical preparation would have made a pretty big difference in my ability to play like, I guess, let's say like the more technically competent opponents. Cause I, I think I did a pretty good job of like the stuff we were just talking about, like showing up ready to, to deal with whatever happens in terms of live arena, showing up prepared to just like play a big spot. That was actually what I put most of my effort into. I think what I maybe underestimated was like as a strong technical heads up player, still like warming up my technical ability in, in some capacity, right? I basically gave that zero effort. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I just didn't prioritize it because I was showing up. I think it was like June 1st, I flew in. June 2nd, I had like other non-poker stuff to deal with in the morning. And then I just kind of strolled into the casino at like two o'clock, ready to play at three. I was kind of ready, but I just didn't really, I, I think I took for granted like the technical side of it. So that's something just like my personal study, my personal like training, that kind of stuff. That's something that I'd like to emphasize more. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because most people they'll, they'll focus solely on the technical side and, mm -hmm. and it's like, whichever side you're more comfortable with, you'll, you'll kind of neglect until the balance shifts again. And then, and then you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't do more of that. Uh, I think that's yeah. just kind of a human nature thing, but yeah, as somebody who's, you know, put all the hours of technical study you have, that makes sense that 
if you were to neglect something that that would have been the one to kind of make yeah. up the gap perceived gap you might have thought about on the other side yeah i don't i don't regret approaching it that way i i think that i'll do better next year approaching it more in that direction though cool so yeah let's let's dive in let's put you into coach mode here because um, <laughs> i know a lot of people are excited about your course i've seen lots of people commenting about how ready they are to buy it and jump into it over on twitter so how about we'll start with an overview of what you perceived as to be like the big problem that you wanted to help solve out there in in the world of poker yeah that's really what it is that i so i noticed over the last two years that a lot of my students were not necessarily asking me for the same thing but once we kind of got into the meat of the work, they were in need of the same things. And this was true across like live players, high stakes online players, low stakes online players. I worked with some like small groups through Run It Once as well, where like literally everyone needed this, which was kind of in a nutshell preparation, but really it was this like holistic approach to figuring out how to get better and actually mapping out the steps of what they needed to improve at and like what tools were good at that or what they needed to like what they were lacking in their game and how to fix it it sounds kind of fundamental right like this is literally as a coach what i'm hired to do <laughs> it's like okay yeah, yeah. what am tell me what am i not good at and tell me how to get better at it but it just kind of struck me that like everyone was trying to use the same tools and they were getting it wrong in the same way or like everyone was trying to plug the same leaks but they didn't know how and it started to feel like a bit silly. I was, I usually start with a database review in my coaching for those who don't play online, like literally opening up someone's poker tracker, you know, their database of hands and comparing their stats to what I feel maybe a strong player would do, or maybe what a, you know, an, an equilibrium solution would do. And they just like similar players would have similar gaps and everyone's blind spots were the same um, or almost everyone's blind spots were the same. So it just felt very natural that instead of continuing to, you know, walk every student through the same thing that I could, I could start to record this information. I could start to like trim it down and simplify it and say here, like, this is what so many of my students seem to be lacking and in, in the path towards improving, especially with like modern tools, especially with solvers. So I put that together. So let, let's talk about solvers because they're obviously a great tool, changed the way we play poker. And yet they seem to get in a lot of people's way or, or better way to put it is people get in their own way when they're <laughs> yes. using them. So tell me uh, some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen, some of the things that you are aiming to correct in terms of the way people are using a solver study out there. Yeah. So a really, probably the most commonly talked about one, this isn't, you know, new, probably new information for a lot of people, but the like a very common mistake is just to do line checks, right? So to take the hand that you feel like you may be misplayed, plug it into a solver or copy paste it into GTO wizard or whatever, and just see if it's solver approved, right? Which is just like the worst phrase of all time. <laughs> there's there's not a lot to get out of that, right? You, you're unlikely to solve the problem that you came there with by asking a solver, like, was this play okay or not? which is very much like what I would say to someone who's thinking about working with a coach, right? Like sending them a hand and just saying, was this okay or not? It's really not going to solve your, it's not going to get at the root of your problem. So something that I push a lot in the course and, and to a lot of my students is to work in aggregate, right? So to zoom out and think, 
okay, what parts of the game tree am I struggling with? Maybe it's like turn play in position or, you know, river play out of position or three bet pots or whatever. Let's isolate an area and let's take advantage of solvers such that we can improve our understanding of that area on the whole. And just starting there, I think, is a huge step in the right direction for a lot of people. Although, of course, I think even some more advanced users who understand that then struggle with some of the details, like getting lost in in the excessive details that are available to you with a solver. That's that's another really difficult one to overcome. Is it more of a problem that you see people who can't identify their issues or don't know what to do about it once they once they find it? Um, I actually think I would say at least with people who have brought their concerns to me, it's extremely common to have an idea of what your issues are, right? It, like everyone seems to to know, oh, I'm having a hard time here. I'm struggling with this. I don't, you know, I feel lost in this area. I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with the decision of like where to start. I think a lot, a lot of people are just lost in this maze of, you know, oh, there's there's just too much. You know, I I don't understand what's happening in the solutions, so I'm just gonna. I'm just going to step away from it, right? I'm, I'm just not even going to get started because it's too overwhelming to get started. So what I found myself doing with a huge number of my students is like not only prioritizing type of stuff that they're working on, but but giving them feedback on like how important it is in the grand scheme of things, giving them feedback that says like, hey, you know, if you're if you're feeling lost, like after calling a flop check raise, like welcome to the club. Like literally every player is struggling with that spot and you're not any, just having them understand that that particular area is not like a competitive disadvantage against their opponents, right? Because everyone's just winging it. That's a big load off their shoulders. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't need to focus on that spot. Okay, great. I can put more of my energy into like, I don't know, calling flopsy bets or whatever. Cool. So it sounds like a big part of this course and in your teachings in general is, is helping people to prioritize the the way that they use their time so that they can hit the the parts of the game that actually are going to help them make more money as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that it, it took me some time to realize that this was one of my strengths as a player, but just like weeding out the noise is something that came somewhat naturally to me. I recognize when a situation is not that important, right? I, I recognize when like spending hours to figure out that one weird blocker effect on the river is just not going to affect your bottom line. But the type of stuff that really like impressively winning players are doing is often relatively simple. It's often just like finding the biggest advantages that happen very frequently and just hammering them over and over, right? So if I can direct people towards those those hot spots, then it gets to the most like, yeah, it just hits their win rate as <laughs> as effectively as possible, right? And they can they can get to the nuance like once they've tackled the fundamental stuff. Yeah, yeah, I like that because I think that it's attractive to go for the the fancy, subtle, mm-hmm. finer detail stuff before you've locked down the the main foundational stuff. But that's kind of like just doing a whole bunch of uh, bicep curls in the gym when you, <laughs> when you got no core strength, right? Like it's yeah, it might look cool sometimes, but it doesn't actually do anything for you out in the world. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that, that brings to mind uh, one topic that I really love talking about in, in not just in poker, but all across life, which is kind of this foundations versus tactics discussion mm-hmm. of like, you know, so many poker training videos that I've watched over the years, they're all just like, okay, and then I'm going to do this here. And then I'm going to do this here. And this is good for this. And this is good for that versus 
sounds like what you're teaching here is like, well, how do I just like incorporate myself and a deep understanding of how poker works in general, not about this hand, but how does poker work in general and how do I want to be a part of it in general? And, and I think that's what opens up the room, like you said, for creativity, for, for intuition to emerge because if you don't have that, all the intuition is just kind of leading you to a bunch of random thoughts and your brain is firing mm-hmm. off in different ways that has nothing to do with, there's no grounding with it is essentially what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, I found what's interesting, I guess, because both of us have been around poker for for many years, we know the process of becoming a good poker player without any tools or without without solvers. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the players who are still in the game who have that foundation are good at the same thing for the most part, like what I'm talking about here, having an eye for like what matters and what doesn't matter, it comes a little more naturally to them. But there's a lot of younger players who learn the game exclusively through solvers. And I think they see it as this like enormous 5,000 piece puzzle that has like equal, like all 5,000 pieces have equal value. And it's hard to tell, like just just the way that those players are learning the game, it, it gets them quite good quite quickly but it makes it hard for them to find like adaptability or to or to insert logic or to basically just wing it right like it it makes it harder to get thrown into a spot and just understand how to work your way through that problem so i think that like an emphasis on foundational approach is quite necessary for players like that i know that at a certain point it just becomes a street fight after a while especially playing heads up or deep in tournaments it, it quite often just becomes a to see who can adapt the quickest and and Mm -hmm. the boldest to take what they see. So yeah, I really like that. Um, One thing you told me recently is that you heard that a lot of people who have been watching your videos don't even play the games that you are teaching. Uh, Some of them don't play the same format of Hold'em. Some don't even play Hold'em, but they are watching your videos. What does that tell you about the kind of impact that your work is having out there? Yeah, that was eye opening for me. I don't know if that happens to a lot of other coaches. Like, I don't, I don't have access to Run It Once's viewership data or anything. I don't know who watches whose stuff. I just learned through speaking to people who watch my content that it's like, oh, you don't, you don't play heads up. Oh, you don't even play No Limit. I think that reinforces this idea that like my strength as a coach is more procedural. This like big picture approach that I tend to take, even when I'm talking about individual hands, is the type of knowledge that transfers across games right more easily than just saying like this is a 66 percent frequency play and i know that because i i ran the spot right i might have some of that knowledge for some situations but but for the most part my approach is is zoomed out further than that yeah i love that because i've definitely had huge insights about say seven card stud while I was playing a hand of triple draw or, or immediately mm-hmm. after and, and something in the brain just clicked and I said, oh, that's kind of like that. That's cool. And so I'm, I'm a big believer in cross training in general. So uh, if I were you, I would take it as a huge compliment that non known <laughs> players are watching the videos because that means that you're speaking on like a human universal level. So, so really well done. I appreciate that. I, I also take it as encouragement to learn mixed games. So <laughs> ho- hopefully I'll see you in a yeah, triple draw tournament next year. <laughs> let's get you in the streets for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So tell people about uh, the logistics of if they want to go and work with you through this course, uh, where do they get it? How do they get it? What all are they receiving when they join? Yeah. So the the course is now live on Run It Once's courses page. 
there's a launch sale running for the first four weeks. So it's discounted right now at $749. After the sale ends, I think that's October 10th, I'm going to run four live seminars with all of the people who have purchased the course. So this kind of gets uh, into the part where the course overlaps with like interactive coaching or, or overlaps with my coaching approach. It was pretty important to me that there's going to be a Discord community for everyone who joins. There's going to be kind of that study group environment. I mean, the whole course is about learning effectively. So to me, it's it's essential that I'm like I'm there working with the people who bought the course to make sure that that effective learning is like there's just you know if if you're working independently, you can only get so far. So I think being there to kind of oversee the th the way things are running is going to be really valuable. So everyone's going to get pushed into that Discord group like right away. I need to I need to take a look at that and <laughs> and um, get to work on structuring it actually like now. And the study group environment is, I mean, as as far as I know, just going to go on indefinitely. So so what they're getting is is not only kind of my you know teaching approach through all the videos. I believe there's about 40, 45 videos in the course. It's it's a little bit shorter than your your typical like mega course that run at once would launch, but that's that's intentional. That's that's information that's been trimmed down so that there's not a lot of you know unnecessary viewing time and people can just get into the work as quickly as possible. So the course is designed to be more hands-on. You have templates to work with, you have forms to fill out, like it's a learning process, right? And um and I'm hopefully gonna be, you know involved in a way where I can transfer the intended learning process if it's not totally obvious through the course itself. Mm. Yeah, great. So it's, you know, seems like uh, kind of a flipping the coaching model on its head where instead of like giving them the answers, you're giving them a way to find the answers on their own. And mm. then if they have questions beyond that, you're there to kind of help them fine tune. Yeah, exactly. And, and that was like the seminars that I'm doing after the sale ends, it was intentional that they're more theoretically oriented because I didn't, it didn't feel right to me to put out into the course just like arbitrary pieces of knowledge. I think that that's best learned in that kind of classroom style where you get to ask questions and you, and you get to say like, wait, hold on. I don't, you know, I don't understand that part. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Right. But the process oriented stuff, like Here's how to use simple preflop to run, you know, an, an ICM final table situation. Like that's the type of stuff that I can just put on the screen and it's there. And whoever's watching can take away the necessary information. So yeah, there's a little bit of both there. Cool, cool. And, and that leads me to one other question, which is that if somebody doesn't have a lot of experience using software and solver technology, would this still benefit them greatly? Yeah, I certainly hope so. <laughs> that's the uh, that's kind of the target. The way that I use that software, I mean, it's not, you know, I'm I'm not out there filming tutorials. Like I'm not, I'm not giving like the the bare bones basics of here's how the how the software works. What I'm doing is I'm saying like if the answer you're looking for is how to play, you know, three bet pots in aggregate, here's how you would approach that MPO solver. If your, you know, concern is I don't understand this final table spot, then here's how to do it using simple preflop. Very much like common problem, relatively easy solution, you know, if, if not easy targeted solution and the, the videos I think should do a good job of introducing like anyone who's not too savvy with the programs to, to just make sure that they're approaching like only what they need to and not, and not burning those hours, you know, going down the rabbit hole in a, in a new program for them. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people are, they, they kind of 
run away from the minute they start to hear about like, oh, we're going to use solvers here or, or there. And so it's good to have a way to bridge that that gap in, in a way that's easy to understand. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's just huge for, for so many people who let that fear get in the way of learning what they most want to learn to have the experience that they want to have at the poker table of like, oh, I know what to do. Because that really is like the the gift of it all. Yeah, totally. And the, And it's also like, there's just too many programs and like too many different learning methods to to use all of them, right? I, I occasionally work with people who are just like, yeah, I've got, I've got all of like just laundry list of programs. And, you know, the amount of work that they've spent on each one is maybe 30 minutes, an hour or something. And they've spent like five, $6,000 on different pieces of software. And it's just like, you, not only do you not need all of these, but, but you've probably hindered your learning process by just like, you know, throwing money at the problem and then not actually getting into any of them. So I would, I would rather have someone say like, okay, I, th- I think I can get behind, you know, just using a web browser, like just signing up for GTO wizard or whatever, because that seems like a good entry level point for me. And now I have a good idea of like what I'm trying to do in that program. Right. That's, that's what I do with a lot of my students, especially like the live players. It's like, let's just start you with one program. Let's ease into it. And let's just find the right kind of pace for, for your learning. Right. Love it. Love it. Let me uh, zoom back out for just a few minutes here. What's something people might not know about the life and times of being a high stakes, recognizable poker player? <laughs> like in, in general or in me general. specifically? Yeah, in general. Yeah, in general. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess the the thing that I think a lot of people, I don't know, maybe, maybe this has been said before, but I'll say it anyways. I think a lot of people assume that the like the people playing the highest stakes have it all solved like they have it all figured out i think it's easy to watch people you know i was i was watching i know i know you were as well watching the the triton 200k final table and like it's it's easy to watch the most glorified players the the top tier players and just think like wow they you know they're incredible they never make mistakes or if they do make mistakes like wow that's so you know it's so shocking that they that they made that play and it's like honestly they're like we're just people playing a game, like trying to figure it out. I think that it can be encouraging to a lot of like up and coming players to know that what they're aiming for is achievable. And honestly, like I regularly work with players who are playing small stakes, mid stakes, maybe just starting to win, maybe like just starting to see a little bit of success. And it's like, this person is, is approaching everything right. And you know that you're going to see them playing high rollers within three years, right? It's just like it's it's totally possible. And mm-hmm. and even the players like who are who are there all the time consistently are not necessarily these like super confident, oh yeah, I've got it all figured out type of people. Like they're just they're hitting the books. They're they're working on their game every day and the and the best players are just gonna keep showing up. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, believe in yourself, believe that, believe that it's possible, find the right help, keep showing up don't quit. And and that's kind of how everything gets built, whether you're talking about a great poker career, a great business, good relationships, that's, that's kind of the recipe for it all. I remember you were detailing your, your process for looking over spots and improving at a certain spot on Twitter recently. And you mm-hmm. wrote, yeah, this is what I do. And this is the process. This is what it's going to be until retirement. And, mm-hmm. and I looked at that and I was like, yeah, that, that sounds about right. And yeah. And, uh, and maybe even, in retirement, you're still doing some of that, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, if my retirement looks anything like the other high roller players, then that's that's absolutely going to be the case. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, moving forward, what uh, what excites you about? You know, I know you've been working on this for a long, long time, and so there's probably lots of space opening up for you in your life right now. So, what are you excited for next? 
Yeah, I mean, the I guess it, exciting part of the course being out is now that people are using it. That means I get to interact with people who have used it. So, I mean, the you know that I do a lot of private coaching. I think that that's going to continue to be a big focus of mine, at least while I'm not traveling. And like, yeah, probably for the next two three months, the a big part of my time is going to be spent like getting to know people who bought the course, helping people through the the material, but also like starting to work in more depth with the people who want to take that further. So I think that like right right now, I have a a number of private coaching students who are thinking of like maybe pausing the work that we're doing together so that they can go do the course and then like come back afterwards. So yeah, it's just me shifting from like video production mode to one-on-one interaction, which is honestly what I prefer. So I think that that's going to be really enjoyable. And I think by, by December, January, I should be traveling for poker again. I got, I'm really excited about the PCA and the PSPC coming back to Bahamas. So that's, that was like the, that was the live stop in 2019 that got me like hooked on live poker and this will be the first time I'm playing it since then. So I'm really looking forward to that one too. Fantastic. Yeah. That was my first big live event uh, in 2000, I believe five. And that was the year of the the infamous shark tank bet where they paid oh. somebody uh, $5,000 to jump in and touch the bottom of the shark tank with the sharks <laughs> in there. And uh, I believe uh, for the record legend has it that the person who did that immediately went and sat in a 5,100 cash game with it and got all in with, deuces against two over cards and lost in the first orbit. So I, I believe that's how the story ended. <laughs> wow. I did not know about that prop, but that's, that just, that just sounds like 2005 poker. That's, that's yeah. perfect. Good times. Good times. Well, I'm super happy for you, man. Congratulations on all your success. It's been a joy to watch and, you know, hear about it from you and congratulations on making this course. I know how much work goes into making something of this caliber. And I know that you only put your name on things that are extremely, extremely good. So for everybody out there, I highly recommend you at least check it out. If not jump right in, can't imagine for anybody who's willing to put in some effort into learning at a quality level that it wouldn't immediately pay dividends right off the bat. So Thank you for helping the poker world in that way. And thank you for uh, coming on and hanging out with me today, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate that. And uh, yeah, look forward to chatting with you again soon. All right, that's it for the show today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you are interested in picking up the game plan by Kevin Rabichow, be sure to check out over at runitonce.com. If you enjoyed this show and you want to receive more information on a consistent basis about what it takes to perform at the poker table and in your life at the highest levels, be sure to check me out over at pokerwithpresence.com where I offer free daily tips and insights on how to bring the best of yourself to all aspects of your life every single day. Again, that's pokerwithpresence.com. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we'll see you on the next one.